is the Suno India production and you're listening to Cyber Democracy. With artificial intelligence being used for surveillance, a lot of data is collected. This brings us to the question, what will e-platforms do with data and AI? Will they collect all the data about you and replace you as a worker? Hi, welcome to Cyber Democracy. I'm Vaishali, a reporter for Suno India. In this episode, our host Srinivas Kodali spoke with Dr. Anupam Guha, who is an assistant professor at the Center for Policy Studies at IIT Bombay. Anupam's interest is in the intersection of artificial intelligence and policy, and today he is going to talk about primarily the issues around AI and labels. This episode is the third and final part of this special series, which is based on a webinar conducted by Suno India in partnership with the Internet Freedom Foundation and Youth Ki Awaaz on labor rights to understand employee surveillance post-COVID. These episodes focused on various aspects like labor, governance and artificial intelligence when using technology for surveillance purposes. Listen to the previous two episodes if you haven't already. In the first episode, Aditi Suri, a social science researcher at IIHS, spoke about the labor behind the e-platforms and technological interventions all along the way. In the second, Urvashi Aneja, who's the director for Tandem Research, spoke about how the COVID-19 pandemic has fastened surveillance on e-platform workers as a public health measure. Uh, Anupam, can you explain us what's happening with this whole AI phenomenon where huge amounts of data is being collected and uh, what is it that the platform companies are trying to do in terms of data and AI and am I seriously going to be replaced by a robot? Uh, In that case, should I become a biohuman? So that's a serious question, by the way. So Urvashi has spoken about replaceability and I would go into why this is going to intensify in general and why this is going to intensify in COVID. So one of the things whenever we start talking about platforms and replaceability, let's first go into the history of why all of this happened and and hence why it's going to intensify. So we should start with uh, Amazon's web services, which as you know, was the place where Jeff Bezos has this great idea of what he calls the human intelligence unit. And here's how the idea started. They wanted to make an AI to sort of detect spurious things in their inventory to find out duplicates, spurious, things like that uh, in Amazon. And they couldn't make a good computer vision AI. And then they realized, why do we even need AI? Why not create a platform where you pay people very small amounts of money to do very small, specific, standardized tasks? And this was the whole thing which blew up into what we now know as Amazon Turk. So this is what they started calling artificial intelligence. Instead of having an AI to do one of these tasks, you make a platform which get a lot of people with very minimal interactions to do many replaceable jobs. Now, there are certain very specific things about this kind of new labor relationship with tech monopolies with capital, right? First of all, there is practically no protection. The people who are involved in these jobs, and by the way, these are jobs, they are doing work. And a lot of effort is taken by these companies to essentially create this scenario that this is not work, but it it is work. It is creating value for them. It is very much what they're doing is labor and the labor is being expropriated. People who are doing this 
have a very little idea of what they are getting into they have a very little idea of what sort of work is expected there have been multiple studies done they end up working way more than how they initially thought and hence these people are terribly underpaid that leads to a sort of alienation which uh, has not really existed before because these people are completely not connected to the product they are working with they often and usually have no idea of what they are working on because they are working on very very small parts so how is any of this connected to ai and how is any of this connected to what's happening with covid it is connected to ai in two very significant ways first of all like we have discussed before to build an ai you need to train a machine learning algorithm you need a large amount of data and directly or indirectly these sort of platformized labor is the source of most of this data so a lot of these workers are either being directly hired on amazon turk to create data sets or they are on platforms which are extracting data from their activities which are going to be used to train data sets so when an uber driver is using uber as a platform the navigation data a lot of that ends up getting to train machine learning now this again is labor because this is different from you consuming a product say you going on youtube and clicking on something or you going on twitter and writing something and that intelligence is also used to generate value but there is a subtle difference there but that is that is just consumption your consumption has ancillary intelligence benefits for the company but over here you are actually doing labor and a lot of effort is being made to pretend that you are not labor as you know these platforms they would say things like they are associates or they are independent contractors etc etc but they are workers and this all data is intimately connected to ai the second way in which these platforms are connected to ai is that these machine learning algorithms we have discussed before that they are non deterministic machine learning by definition is non deterministic as it is non deterministic sometimes it is used in more often than not more and more increasingly being used in sensitive scenarios where it will not work after all these are capitalist companies and sometimes the customers do raise a stink uh, one very well known example is youtube's hate speech moderation in their comment section right so that was a thing they tried to automate and initially the algorithms ran into a lot of problems a lot of channels were blocked unjustifiably a lot of people lost their revenue a lot of customers raised a lot of stink on the platform so when that happened they immediately said okay fine the algorithmic decisions will not be for the final one we will have humans to moderate the decisions we will have humans come in and look at the decision so this is the second way in which platform labor is used in conjunction with ai in which you have you hire people to sort of uh, look at the decision the machine learning algorithm is making but the same thing applies right like most of the people like if you take in the example of these hate speech moderators who are moderating the decisions of the machine learning algorithms they are again like ill paid they are barely trained they have extremely low uh, mapping of what they consider the work to be and how much work they end up doing there have been several surveys and papers on this that often these workers suffer from extreme mental health issues 
they are ill paid they are working in terrible conditions and most of the time these jobs are shipped away to countries where there are not strong labor rights anyway and then of course you know the companies pretending that this is not o oh, standard labor this is this ancillary thing etc etc and how is this sort of crowd work how is this going to intensify in covid it is going to intensify in covid because there is a huge market for this kind of work and as covid is normalizing people working from home and companies have realized that now is the time to cost cut bad working conditions are not going to be sort of looked at too carefully if you know there is a dearth of jobs and there is massive cuts going on anyway yeah and what is increasingly obvious is that tech companies are actually not having any major losses during the lockdown they're actually making quite a bit of profit uh, but they are trying to cost cut uh, and it's mostly the labor they are trying to cost cut uh, they are automating and platformizing as much as possible and and the remaining workers who have not lost their jobs are actually working more hours they are working in worse conditions potentially and in many cases their pays have been cut so there is a study normalization of this kind of work using code can you tell us what exactly is work in this way so this idea right that you have instead of one big job requiring training which an employee does the traditional factory form of work you have that job divided into very very small standardized replaceable tasks which anybody can do and this leads to a form of capitalism wherein replaceability has risen and and this is empirically being observed right so there's a connection between peace wages and de-skilling why are people taking these jobs which end up de-skilling them anyway it there are two reasons first there is desperation right you have a less amount of jobs so you will do whatever you will take gig economy jobs you will do two gigs a day etc it doesn't matter whether it's in a platform doesn't matter whether it has no protection if you want to have money and these are the only jobs available people will do it and the second thing is more insidious once you are desperate and you take a job you are essentially creating data for expert systems you are essentially moderating machine learning algorithms which are working steadily towards your own obsolescence so there is a vicious cycle of de-skilling and desperation that is in the industry uh, and of course you know on one hand you have the steady dilution of labor laws within the pandemic on the other hand you have this sort of increasing of peace wages etc this has incredible social consequences as well because when this sort of erasing of what work is happens this has a caste dimension this has a gender dimension in the sense that you have the marginalized worker who was being exploited anyway now being further marginalized and further exploited and it has other dimensions as well right labor organization how does that work when the jobs that are available are easily replaceable if you can be replaced any time would you dare go on a strike and how would you even go on a strike if you don't even know who your co-workers are because you are all geographically distributed your work geographically atomized and you are not even aware what you are working on remember that case of uh, i don't know whether we have talked about this or not 
but like for example google maven right the engineers did a strike there they walked out and hence google was forced not to work on maven but a point is that a lot of people who were working on maven had no idea they were working on maven because they were doing crowd work because they were platform laborers who had no idea what they were working on what the data they are producing is going to go to and this is becoming very common whereas wherein more and more the worker is not connected with what they are working on they don't know the social consequences of what they are working on and hence to sort of not contribute to deskilling is not something they can do so deskilling is happening because it is now attractive to you know have these very easily replaceable jobs because automation has made that possible and this is increasing inside covid and the macro effect it has is the depression of the wages of the middle workers for artificial intelligence you will need scientists and engineers to create these systems basically they'll be analyzing these data sets moderating some of these systems once they are ready you won't need these workers anymore right i mean will this affect the labor market that is essentially increasing the polarization of the working class and making the vast majority of the working class atomized making it harder and harder for them to organize to sort of even think about their rights etc that is point number 1 what is the second negative social consequence of this is that the more and more these systems intensify and they are going to be intensifying more in the pandemic for economic reasons and otherwise the otherwise reason is they help fill a gap which is there in the indian state capacity a gap which is being slowly widening and a surrender of policy making which indian policy makers are doing because they are hand in glove with these tech monopolies one basic example is facial recognition tech we all know that it is uh, unconstitutional violates privacy this that but while everybody talks about privacy the economic angle gets sort of erased why did this happen in the first place why do these systems which are essentially slowly slowly taking over governance functions how are they entering the system and if you look carefully and of course there is the fact that our data protection laws are non existent right but if you look carefully it's also because they are cheap because the policy makers think that oh we don't need to improve our systems we don't need to make regulations we don't need to work what we can do is get this thing in and once it is in the policy is then dictated by the platforms which are setting up this system how people are to be governed how people are to be policed etc everything becomes more and more to the benefit of essentially oligopolies which are essentially have no other responsibility uh, aside from the responsibility to their shareholders and this is going to intensify in the covid there is a third thing which is very important so first you have companies realizing that crowd work is profitable for them it allows them to treat workers as, as not workers it allows them to continuously delegitimize real work and continuously make it informal which is good for them because they don't have to follow laws anymore then secondly they can sell all of the snake oil to the policy makers and policy makers are slowly you know shirking their responsibility and you have all sorts of mechanism set up which of course sinivas has talked about urvashi has talked about right and the third thing is digital tailorism 
what is Taylorism? Taylorism was this movement in capitalism and even in the so-called socialist countries where it was realized that you could scientifically manage the worker. You know, you could have standards and measurements and you can have set hours and set pieces and set wages and that will increase the production, etc. There are many good economic works as to why Taylorism was just a better way of controlling workers and not really something which increased productivity. But now that has gone over to the AI realm. Because with machine learning, you can make systems which can surveil, which can monitor, which can standardize the workers, in this case, the crowd workers. And this is called digital tailorism. Urvashi here was talking about her tracker, which is essentially no companies which monitor workers at all. And the claims these companies are making is hogwash. They are not at all scientific, right? They claim that they can monitor a worker and tell whether that worker is motivated or not, whether, you know, there is this, okay, I'll give you some actual examples. There is this company called Metal AI, M-E-T-T-E-L, which creates products which it claims can, you know, monitor workers via computer vision and can tell if a worker is impulsive, if a worker is risk taker, if a worker is narcissist, essentially excuses to fire more workers, to scare more workers, right? And you know, even if you take these people at their face value, what they are claiming is inaccurate. As an AI scientist, I can tell you what they're claiming is wrong. Because we all know that emotion detection is hogwash. Emotion detection in computer vision does not work. Why does it not work? Because the very premise on which that problem is set, that you can tell the internal emotions of somebody by looking at their face, the very logic on which those data sets are collected is a wrong pseudoscientific logic. And in, you know, these so-called emotion detectors and these uh, ways of newer ways of surveillance are being used everywhere. They're being used in airports and security, et cetera, et cetera. It's all nonsense, but they are being, and this will intensify in COVID. That is the problem because the debate these systems set up are around whether or not they have a bias, whether or not they are bigoted towards somebody. But what should often be said is that the very premises of these systems are wrong. They don't work. They don't work and they are an excuse to disenfranchise the workers and to take away their powers of collective bargaining. And essentially, even from a, you know, a very hard-nosed policy logic, they are wrong. They don't do the things they claim they do. There was one question that I had when you're talking about these systems that don't work. But there is this research that you spoke about in the past, like, right, how that there is this entire branch of science that has been made up to tell or rather predict uh, human behavior based on human features. So there's this very interesting paper, which I would ask people to read called the Victorian roots of facial detection or the Victorian roots of facial recognition, which is about two pseudosciences. So earlier there was a pseudoscience, which, uh, which was that you could, take somebody's facial measurements, their skull measurements, and hence tell their personality. This was very common in the Victorian era. Now, Darwin, of course, being a scientist and having some basic sense about these things, realized that this is nonsense, this is not true. And Darwin tried to sort of make a scientific alternative to this pseudoscience. And his scientific alternative was that Instead of having a fixed uh, idea of a person's personality, which he deemed as essentialist, why don't we look at their 
expressions their uh, expressions as in their facial expressions and try to deduce their emotional state so the earlier thing was called seognomy physio gnomy and darwin's alternative to it was called pathognomy while darwin was motivated by the correct impulses and he was essentially pushing back against uh, pseudoscience that existed in his time which was essentially racist you know that humans are fixed essentialist whatever or and their emotions and their innate characteristics are fixed with their features what he he was saying was also essentialist that you can tell what a person is thinking by looking at their photograph etc and the way these data sets at that time when photography was just invented they were made they were also pseudo scientific you know because they were trying to sort of deduce what the person in the photograph is thinking of and, and you know we have known for a long time that this is a pseudo science we have known for a long time that humans are complex creatures that their emotional state their intentions cannot be deduced by looking at their faces but now this whole thing has resurfaced and you have entire branch of computer vision which has accepted the premise and by accepting the premise are trying to do what they call emotion detection wherein they have data sets of people's faces each image of a face is mapped to like some emotion and they are like oh given this data if a person looks like that what are they emoting right sounds harmless is extremely dangerous pseudo scientific and dangerous because oppressive because this technology is being used to essentially randomly police the inner behavior of workers so if i'm at an airport and their facial recognition yes yes and if they think that you are a dangerous person why would they think you are a dangerous person because you are a brown person or we have facial hair or something it's it's like the um, white uh, security guards stopping you because you look brown uh, essentially some level of racism uh, that is being also driven by technology yes it is thanks anupam for the insightful conversation with this we come to the end of the three part series on labor rights and employee surveillance post covid Do listen to the previous episodes where Aditi Suri talks about e-platform workers and the technological interventions and Urvashi Aneja discusses the ethical, legal and governance aspects of using these technologies. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cyber Democracy. You can listen and subscribe to the show on our website sunoindia.in or any podcast app of your choice.